step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Bannikaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What's the most horrifying pre-death scenario you can imagine? Not the actual death itself. You know, we've gone over all that before on the show. We'll go over it again. That would probably be either crucifixion, or scaphism, also called the boats, particularly an ugly way to die. Not talking about that today. I'll address it another time. I'm talking about 
the pre-death scenario. You know you're going to die. What's the most horrifying situation you can imagine? I'm about to talk you through what I think is probably number one. But that's going to have to wait a few. Do you know why on the Mexican flag there's that eagle with a snake in its talons? Because of the Aztecs. The Aztec people did not call themselves Aztecs, but I'm not some fancy schmancy historian with a bunch of degrees, so I'm going to call them by the name that you know them by, Aztecs. Consider them the one of the indigenous peoples of Mexico. Let's be honest. They're one of Mexico's Indian tribes. That's what they are. The Aztecs, the Mayans. But the Aztecs were, you know, think about the year 1200 to, well, to the end of our story today. They were the big boys on the block. And they roll in to this area of Mexico from what we know, remember, we're not in an era with, you know, emails and text messages and everything is written down and somebody make a voice memo. So things get a little cloudy, especially when it comes to people who at least initially weren't writing anything down. Or even that they, if they did write some things down, like in the case of the Aztecs, once they got their feet underneath them, someone came along and destroyed it all. So some, of the, some of the stuff's a little hazy. But when they arrived in that area of Mexico, they were thought of as, and I love this. I've always gotten a kick out of this. They were thought of as barbarians. Barbarians by the standards of the other Mexican indigenous people. (laughs) You see, we always like to put that because ever so much of our Education system now is really America sucks. Anybody who who colonized somebody sucks. Christopher Columbus sucks. Everything sucks. The white people were devils. The Indians were amazing, peaceful people. Whether they be Indians, Gauls in Roman times, whoever, people always, always, find a way to look down on other people. It's part of what we do as human beings. Does not matter your skin color. Does not matter your tribe. You could put somebody on a mountaintop in Nepal somewhere and put a little town up there and never give them any contact with the outside world at all. And the first time somebody showed up to their little town, they would be all, look at this uncivilized brute. It's human nature. You do it in your life. I do it in my life. Don't you? We, we try to fight against that as much as possible, but we, we definitely have to fight against that as much as possible. But <laughs> look at that guy. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't know how to drive. Well, Hey, what are you honking at me for? I'm sorry. I drifted a little. We all do it. So the Aztecs roll in and again, The other tribes who were there, the, quote, more civilized tribes at the time, looked at them as in, oh, my gosh. These guys, these guys are savages. But it should be noted, 
They were savages who loved to kill people and were very, 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 very good at killing people. They may have been barbarians, as is often the case. Barbarians know how to kill people. The Romans were famous for this. Well, I mean, yes, these Gauls are disgusting, uncivilized brutes, but you know, they can sure bury an axe in someone's face. Let's hire some of these guys. And all the tribes that were there at various times would hire the Aztecs early on to go fight some battles with them, sometimes just for them. And eventually, and this happens a lot, you will hear me talk about this years from now. I'll still be talking about this because I find the concept of this fascinating. I've actually done a whole show on it once. Eventually, the Aztecs look around and they say, well, why are we doing the fighting for other people when we're the muscle around here? Tell me what stops us from just deciding we're the ones in charge. And the examples of this throughout history are endless of people hiring out their muscle. And one day the muscle becomes self-aware and thinks, um, well, I'm just going to run things now. And what are you going to do about it? I'm the muscle. That's pretty much what happens with the Aztecs. Well, we've been kicking the crap out of everybody else down here. I think we're just going to move in. And so they start to get their feet under them, start to build themselves up. And in one of the most gruesome, awesome historical stories I've ever told you, just a little mini side note, I love this so much because picturing it makes me laugh, even though this is horrific and actually happened to a human being. Check this out. They were no different than the rest of the world at this time, as in you make marriages of convenience. You make marriages for allegiances, you know. We want to merge these two tribes. You know, we've had some bad blood. Why don't, why don't you send your son over here and he can get married to my daughter? And look, that, that'll cement our relationship, right? Blood. And that's the, Look, people think that was just something the Europeans did. Everybody did that. Tribes, everybody throughout the world. Understand that as Americans, in the year 2020, we all obsess over, you know, we have to find love. Oh, when, when uh, you see this, especially with women all the time, when they get start getting up there in years, start, start the biological clock is ticking, starting to feel like I should be married by now. When will I find love? I just need love. There's the worst perfect man for me to love. And I'm not even insulting it. We have that luxury. You can marry just for love here. Good for you. Do that. Hold out for that. That's fine. But I'm also telling you that is not the norm in the history of the world, especially with the upper classes of any given society. The upper classes of any given society oftentimes, most of the time, have to marry who they're freaking told to marry. If you were a king and you have a daughter even if you absolutely love her to pieces. That girl's most likely getting shipped off to somebody you're trying to cement an allegiance with. Period. That's it. Your son? Ah, Dad, I found this peasant girl. I love her. Yeah, that's fine, son. You can take her as a slave, but you're not marrying her. You're marrying these people in this nation because we just had a little battle and we signed a treaty and now we have to get along. Sound good? Now, granted, you can marry her and then have a harem because that's how they did everything back then. But, oh, you're marrying me. 
which is another thing for you to feel blessed about on this Tuesday, isn't it? That you get to make that choice. It's nice to have that freedom. It would be a little difficult if at the age of, what, 15, 16, 17, and Aztec times, they'd be marrying you off at 12 if you were a woman. But think about today. 16, 17 years old, your parents come storming in your room. Honey, I have great news. We found the guy you're going to marry. Oh, um, okay. Do, do we even know if he showers? Does he shower? How's his dental hygiene? Hang on. Naturals. They have what you need right now. And yes, they have a long list of really great quality items, natural items. That's why the name Boomer Naturals. But let's be frank, you need a face mask. I am not here telling you to wear a face mask at all times. I'm telling you to do some of the things you love doing. You're going to be required to wear a face mask. I've been telling you this and now you see it. It's already coming true. Employers are requiring people to wear face masks. I went to a restaurant the other night. I'm not going to name the restaurant. Walked in. They said, you are required to wear a face mask from the door to the table in here. I'm not making that up. Face mask requirements are here. Go get one, a good one, at boomernaturals.com. And don't forget to use the promo code JESSE20. Get you 20% off every order. BoomerNaturals.com. So marriages, especially amongst the nobility, were arranged. Now, and one of the most horrific stories ever that is just, it is just amazing. The Aztecs were obsessed, obsessed with blood, obsessed with human sacrifice. I don't mean obsessed with blood as in studying the platelets. I mean thinking that was life. Life was about shedding blood. That was that was what the gods wanted. The gods demanded blood and the gods demanded human sacrifices. Picture every horrific stereotype about every barbaric people in every movie you've ever seen, and that's the Aztecs all rolled up into one. You don't have to change a thing about the Aztec people to make them absolutely horrifying. And when I say horrifying, I mean child sacrifices by the thousands. Child sacrifices in a way the gods demanded tears first so they would, well, you know what? I'm not going to go into That's a little too dark. They would force the child in certain ways to cry before sacrificing them because they wanted tears and blood. 
You know I always try to have some perspective when it comes to historical people and historical societies because values were different. I do not look at Genghis Khan like a mass murderer, genocidal maniac, even though he kind of was. For their culture, he was not. That's how he was raised. That's what he was taught to do. I do not look at Christopher Columbus or our, one of our main characters today, Hernan Cortez, as some huge raper and pillager, pillager of you know Indian tribes, even though there was quite a bit of that, but that's what they did back then. You went and conquered. The Aztecs are one of the few tribes I have absolutely no excuses for. When your culture is hurting children on purpose before you carve out their hearts and eat them, you've got to at some point in time look around and say, you know, this doesn't feel right. I feel like maybe we've gone too far. However, they were obsessed with it. And I mean obsessed with it in a way that the other tribes, often tribes who also practice human sacrifice and cannibalism, looked at the Aztecs in, Aztecs in horror. Their contemporaries were like, ooh, man, these guys. Eek. So back to that arranged marriage I was talking about. The Aztecs decide they want to cement a relationship with one of the most powerful kings of one of the other tribes in central Mexico at the time. This king offers his daughter to one of the Aztecs in marriage. The Aztecs say that is awesome this will really cement our relationship in fact she's actually going to be a goddess for us and apparently the man didn't do the research because the king said oh that sounds awesome good treat her well boys and they're like we will jack we got you covered a little while later the king shows up at a banquet with the aztec nobility sits down for a meal And one of the Aztec priests walks out wearing his daughter's skin, which they'd flayed off her body after they cut her heart out. And keep in mind, this is why I actually find this story horrifyingly humorous. The Aztecs had no idea he was going to be upset. They were shocked at him reacting the way he did, as you can imagine, he lost his mind and threw them out of the area. They were, they had no idea to them. They thought this was a great honor to them. They did honor her to him. Um, you're wearing my daughter's skin. So these people were horrific, (laughs) absolutely horrific, but They did build something. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If you were to let me travel back in time and not be there because I don't want my heart carved out of my body, even by accident, not actually be there or, you know, be a ghost and check someplace out, their capital city, and I'm only going to try to pronounce this once because I can't pronounce it at all, it's Tenochtitlan. Sounds like one of the coolest, most advanced places ever. You see, I gave you all the negatives on the Aztecs. The positives are they actually did develop writing. They were 
excellent at figuring out the stars. They figured out mathematics. They had schools. And they built this city. Some say they didn't. Some say they discovered it and and improved it. But they built this city essentially in the middle of a lake. And they built a huge causeway to it. And when I say city, we're talking half a million people in the middle of a lake. And they built gardens out of mud, gardens that floated And they had irrigation, and they had neighborhoods set up, and they had sanitation set up. It was, by all accounts, an advanced, advanced society, and they started beating the crap out of all the other tribes. They were now the big boy on the block, and many of the other tribes, sadly, became essentially sacrifice mills for the Aztecs. You see, we're going to storm into your tribe. We're going to take your land. No, we're not going to wipe you out. Of course not. We like you. We're friends. Uh, But we are going to be back every month and take five of your kids to go carve out their hearts. Do you think that created some bad blood? And bad blood it certainly did. Because eventually in 1519, along comes a man, and his name is Hernan Cortez. And this guy, well, I don't know what to tell you about him other than the fact he has balls the size of the Empire State Building, two of them, did a lot of raping and pillaging himself, probably not somebody you would want babysitting your kids, definitely not someone you would want in charge of the HOA. However, if you're heading into hostile territory, and you need a man to lead other men into battle, there aren't many men you would put ahead of Hernan Cortez. You see, he was the third expedition Spain landed in Mexico, and the other two ended horrifically with Mayan arrows and spears sticking out of their faces. And Cortez pretty much swindles his way into getting a fleet. He was authorized to have the fleet, and then as they were pulling his authorization to have the fleet, he murders the guy who was coming to tell him he wasn't authorized to have the fleet, hops on the ships and says, see ya, we'll be back in a few. He lands on Mexico, knowing the last two expeditions died, knowing he's surrounded by hostile people, even though he really doesn't know about the Aztecs yet. And he promptly burns all of his ships except for one. The only reason he left that one there was so he could ship gold to the king of Spain and tell him, look, man, I'm making you rich. You better better back me here. He burnt all the others to show his men there is no escape. There is nowhere to go. We're here for gold, Jack. We are here to conquer, and there ain't no retreat. So I suggest you gird your loins, boys. That's actually really, really cool. Landing all your ships in a hostile, unknown territory and burning them in front of your men. <laughs> are you ready to are you ready to roll now, boys? And the king of the Aztecs, a man by the name of Montezuma, I know you've heard the name, gets wind about these new people that got here, and he sends some messengers. And that doesn't go very well.
it'll help keep you healthy. I know what you're thinking. I know what I know. We'll I'll I'll just boost up my immune system. Well, yeah, that's good, obviously. I'll just work out a lot. Also very helpful. I'll eat well. That's also very helpful. Do you know scientifically one of the best things in the world you can do to boost your immune system, keep you safe from all the nasty bugs that are out there? Sleep. You need to sleep. Your body needs rest. It's not just for your mind. Your body needs that time to recover and recharge. That's why you need an ebb sleep. Ebb sleep is a wearable, drug-free solution that applies continuous, precise cooling to your forehead, which calms your thoughts, which puts you to sleep, and keeps you asleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse at checkout for 25 bucks off. Another quick note on the Aztec capital to Nochitlan, and I'm sure I'm screwing that up. Don't email me and yell at me. Actually, you're welcome to. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. They had a zoo. Yeah, when I tell you it was advanced, it was advanced. The Spanish dudes who eventually showed up there, we'll get to there in just a few, their jaws dropped. They wrote the king of Spain, and essentially told him, this is unlike any place you've ever seen. This place is a jewel. I would love to have seen it. I would love to have seen it. Now, Montezuma gets word. There's some really pale dudes who showed up in his his territory. Apparently, they're making some noise down there with the Mayans. Better send some people. Montezuma, send some people down there. And he sends them with some gifts. Gifts of gold. Wants to make friends. Wants to tell them essentially, hey, just want to welcome you to Mexico. Here's some gold for you. No need to come visit us. We're good to go up here. Just wanted you to give, have some gifts and, and go on about your way. Now, something you need to understand about Cortez about the Spanish at this time, about the French at this time, about the English at this time. This is the era where they are colonizing the world. And oftentimes they're colonizing the world in the name of God. This was that era in human history, or I guess you could say that's most of human history, if you really want to look at it, where religion kind of got forced to merge with your own purposes. I'm not even one of these anti-colonist guys. You know, if, if you want to colonize somebody, that, look, that's how they conquered the world. That's why we have America today. We have all these, these wonderful things we have because somebody a long time ago came and colonized the place. I'm not, I'm not one of those dudes. You know I'm not. But it was a pretty violent, pretty violent way of life. A pretty violent way to go about your business. Now, again, I'm also not one of those guys who thinks violence is wrong. I think that is an absolutely absurd, absurd modern-day soft way to look at life. It's not preferred, but uh, violence is called for all the time. 
How do you think we got rid of Hitler with some nice letters? We went and shot Germans in the face. How do you think we stopped Japan? Um, We went and bayoneted a lot of Japanese people. A lot of them. In fact, we dropped napalm on Tokyo and burned 100,000 men, women, and children to death. We did that, the United States of America. And unlike your history teacher, I'm not even mad about it. That's war. That's how things go. So like I said, violence is not, I'm not well, they're, they're violent. They must have been evil. I'm not saying that, but the whole expand the world for king and country and Catholicism thing oftentimes merged perfectly with expand the world for gold and, you know, privilege. Everybody wants to be rich and famous, both in 1519 and in the year 2020. That's not a new concept. And the Aztecs is the same thing, too, you know. We, we look at that from the Spanish point of view. Oh, they were abusing Catholicism. Do you think some of the Aztecs conquering all their neighbors, you know, just because they needed more human sacrifice, do you think some of that may have been they wanted more territory, they wanted more slaves, they wanted more wealth? Of course they were doing the same thing. Of course they were. Hey, I'm sorry. We got to go take these people over. Look, the gods demand it. Do we or do we not need human sacrifice here? That's what I thought. No, I understand they have some goods we're going to end up trading. That's fine. But that's that's a side note. Cortez was there for gold. He was there for wealth and fame. And remember, Cortez was there illegally, very much illegally. That's part of the reason he burned the boats. There is no return for Cortez unless he returns with a lot of money for the king. So the king says, you know what? I actually just decided it was legal. Good work, Hernan. And he knows this. He knows this very well. He's very open about it. So Montezuma sends him some gold. Cortez, they kind of slap around and abuse the guys Montezuma sends him, and they absolutely terrify the guys Montezuma sends him. They fire off a cannon. Try to picture what a cannon looks like sounds and smells like if you're a human being who's never seen anything bigger than maybe a bow and arrow. Try to imagine, try to imagine for a moment what a horse looks like to you in big horses. The Spanish wrote big horses. Try to imagine what a big horse looks like to you if all you've ever seen is a small dog. That's all you've ever seen in your life as far as the larger animals go, besides, you know, jaguars and such. And all of a sudden, you have a guy riding up to you on horseback in armor firing off a cannon. Yeah, the Aztecs went running back to Montezuma with reports of, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good, but here's the deal. Cortez only had about 500 dudes. A little over 500 dudes. There were something like 40,000 Aztec warriors at this time. Muskets or no muskets, swords or no swords, Montezuma should win this fight. Oh, and Cortez had dogs. They had war dogs, which I would love to have seen war dogs. I'm not totally sure I would love to have seen one in action because that is not a pleasant way to go. That psychopath in Korea feeds people to dogs because it's supposed to be so horrific. When you get fed to the dogs, the reasons it's horrific is dogs do not go for the jugular like cats. It's actually not the end of the world if you got eaten by a tiger. He's going to he's gonna, he's gonna 
choke you out quickly. You're going to wrap his teeth around your throat and you're gone. The dogs are going to eat you from the feeder wherever they get you. So a big armored up war dog was probably pretty much crap your pants mode for any warrior who faced something like that. Oh my gosh. You would think it was a monster, right? Right? Is this an Avengers movie? What, what is this? Cortez makes his way up to, to Nochitlan. And if you're in any way fascinated by this story, I'm not sure I've ever skipped over as many amazing battles and moments as I just skipped over when I fast-forwarded from Cortez landing on the shore to getting up to the actual Aztec capital. There's more political intrigue and backstabbing, and this tribe tries to kill him. This tribe saves him. Cortez is politically maneuvering. It is amazing. It is an amazing story. I would highly recommend you consume everything you can on it. Let me see. I like to plug other people whenever I can. I remember Daniele Bellelli has a History on Fire podcast about this. It's like five two-hour episodes. Listen to every single one of them if it interests you. I love it. Someone else did a podcast on it, and it's going to drive me crazy. And I'm going to start learning to post the things I read to give you guys some more details because some of you are detail freaks and I don't have time to get into it because it's not a history show. Kind of. Uh, I guess in a way it is. Yeah, a little. Cortez gets up to the Capitol. And why did he go to the Capitol? Because Montezuma sent him gold. Cortez gets into the Capitol. They basically think he's a god, legitimately. That, of course, goes south quickly. Once the Spanish do enough raping and pillaging of the Aztec culture and the Aztecs don't take too kindly to the Spanish saying, um, could you, could you, uh, could you stop with the human sacrifices? That's actually horrific in an affront to God. So there's clearly a cultural clash going on here, and it goes south really quickly. And again, I skipped over a million really, really, really cool things. Really cool things. In fact, there was this one thing in the city square. All right, hang on. I'll explain. I have my phone sitting here beside me. It's sitting on the table. And that's no problem, right? It's what you do. You set your phone down on the restaurant table, on your desk at work, various surfaces throughout the day. You touch a million things, and then you grab your phone. You talk in it. You put your phone back. And this happens over time without disinfecting it. And before you know it, your phone is full of bacteria. On average, your phone has more bacteria on it than a public restroom. That is nasty. (laughs) That's really nasty. And you don't have to drown it in chemicals. All you need is a clean phone pro. A clean phone pro has nine powerful UVC lights, totally disinfects your phone, disinfects your keys, wallets, credit cards, whatever you need. And when you go to AmericaFirstShop.com and get a clean phone pro, you use the code JESSE, they'll give you free two-day FedEx shipping. AmericaFirstShop.com. Go get a clean phone pro today.
I have to tell a quick side story. I was going to try to hit this from just the 30,000 point view, but point of view, 30,000 foot view. Shut up. I've only been doing this like a year and a half. I went to community college. I have almost three years of community college credits. I don't say words correctly. In fact, I'm positive I've massacred the pronunciation of virtually every day I've used so far today. I'm positive I have. And I don't care. You are going to have to learn to work around me. It's really, really more of a burden for you. But remember when I said Cortez was there illegally? He was there really, really, really illegally, especially in the eyes of the governor of Cuba, a Spanish governor, obviously, who Cortez basically gave the middle finger to when he took off for Mexico. That's what's so amazing about this whole thing. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He's like, I'm just, I'm going to go conquer some stuff. What, I'm not allowed? Yeah, I'm going anyway. We'll be fine. We're just going to go take on the most powerful people over here. Give me some dogs. That's all I need is some dogs. I'm taking ruffles. I don't know why. That part has always made me laugh. What he did is amazing. It is incredible. And he did it without permission. He did it without backing for the most part. So Cortez is in Tenochtitlan. He's in the capital with, with Montezuma. And things are not there. Not going great, but things haven't devolved yet into all-out war. We're heading there quickly. And Cortez gets word, uh, yeah, the governor of Cuba just landed a lot of Spaniards here, and they're not here for the Aztecs. They're all here to kill or capture you. And now Cortez, because he's Cortez, says, all right, well, I'm going to go handle this. Alvarado was one of his lieutenants. Hey, bud, you were in charge just just keep the peace while I'm gone, okay? I'm going to go handle the invasion, kick the crap out of these guys. You stay here. Just don't ruffle too many feathers. Cool? Cool. He takes off, and he he's not gone for 30 seconds, and Alvarado just has a massive massacre of a lot of Aztecs in the city. <laughs> it should be noted while Cortez was gone, he went not only beat the the Spaniards who far outnumbered him, who just landed, the ones he didn't beat, he flat out convinced them to join his side because he was going to give them a lot of gold. So he goes and fight. He goes to fight the guys who were supposed to get him, and he's just like, yeah, or we could all get rich. <laughs> and the guys were like, you know, I actually like your plan better. Your plan's way better. Screw this. And he takes off, and by the time he gets back to the city. As I said, Alvarado had a big bit of a massacre. A quick side note on the massacre. There are a bunch of different sources saying different things why it happened. Alvarado swears up and down that it happened for two reasons. One, he said he got word, and he very well may have, he got word that the Aztecs were planning on massacring the Spanish at this big festival they were having. They were going to lock off the city square and massacre the Spanish. So we just massacred him first was his his rationale. And he also said, uh, as soon as you left, Cortez, they started sacrificing a bunch of people again, and it was horrific, and we got mad. But none of that matters at this point in time because Cortez gets back to the capital city, and things are going really, really poorly now. 
Eventually, Montezuma dies, stands up, gives a speech to the people, telling them to calm down. By now, they realize Montezuma is just Cortez's puppet. Somebody chucks a rock and dongs him in the head and kills him. Now they have a huge problem on their hands. Cortez and them have to fight their way out of the city. It's actually called the Night of Sorrows. It alone is something I'm going to do a show on one day. A fascinating, fascinating fight when you picture 400, 500 conquistadors fighting their way over the causeways out of a city of half a million mad Aztecs. I mean, it's just, the, the thought of it is sweet, right? And armor and swords and muskets and dogs and... Except all of them didn't make it. And sadly for the ones who didn't make it out, they didn't die either. Do you remember at the very beginning when I was talking about the worst pre-death you can possibly imagine? Well... This is your worst nightmare. You see, they captured, I believe it was 70-some Spanish soldiers on the way out. Cortez and all his dudes were now camped outside of the city so they could see and hear this. His men screaming, yelling, crying, pleading for their lives. And then they got to witness their own men. Well... They got to witness what so many thousands, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of other people went through, what it was like to be sacrificed to an Aztec god, and it was not a pleasant experience. And I mean not a pleasant experience at all. And so picture this. You are a Spanish soldier. You got captured by the Aztecs. You know what the Aztecs do to captives. You know what's coming for you and you wake up one morning in an Aztec prison cell and you hear the drums beating. And you know they're beating for you. Wake up in an Aztec prison cell. If you even slept at all, which how could you sleep? And you hear these loud, loud drums pounding. And you have a pretty good idea what's coming. You've heard the stories. In fact, right when you showed up in the capital city, you saw what has been described by several people as a tower of skulls beside the temple. And they get you out of your prison cell and they lead you over to the bottom of the steps of this temple. And this temple is tall and these steps are steep and the drums are coming from up top and they're loud and the crowd is cheering and yelling. And they began to lead you up the stairs. And as you get up the stairs, the drums are getting a lot louder. And finally you get to the top of the stairs and you see a priest there and he's covered in blood. 
and there's a horrific-looking statue of some Aztec god, and they begin to take off your clothes. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. You're at the top of the temple and the drums are pounding right beside you now. You see the priest covered in blood. And I should have mentioned before you started walking up the stairs to the temple, you looked around the bottom of the stairs and there were arms and legs and torsos laying at the bottom of the stairs. They march you up to the top, strip off all of your clothes, put on some sort of headdress and force you to dance as the crowd cheers. Now, remember when I told you Cortez and the dudes who got out were still close by? They were so close by they could see it. They could watch it. And these are not strangers. Try to imagine how close you would be to the men you have fought with through the Mexican jungle for the last year and you're watching helplessly as he puts on a headdress and dances. They then grab him. They lay him down on a stone platform, table, whatever you want to call it. They take an obsidian knife While he's still alive, they carve his heart out of his chest like it's Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, and they hold it up. They then chop off his arms and legs, his head, and they chuck it all down those stairs he just walked up where the people roast it and eat his arms and legs. It was part of their ritual. Oh, And the Aztecs were trying to send a message with this one, so they took the heads. Some sources say five, some say ten. They took some of the heads of the Spanish guys they just killed and cut off and threw the heads into Cortez's camp so his men could see them. But I hope the Aztecs enjoyed that day because that was one of the last ones they were going to have like that. What else comes on a Spanish ship to the New World? Besides the men and the armor, the bullets, the black powder, the sails, the dogs, the horses, what else is almost undoubtedly on that ship? Everybody knows, right? You know. It's on the tip of your tongue. Disease. The Spanish brought smallpox. And it may be up in the air whether Cortez and his group actually could have conquered the Aztecs without this. I doubt it. 
Although, even if he didn't, what he did accomplish was nothing short of amazing. But smallpox hit that capital and wiped out, they estimate, half of the population. And so many people who died didn't even die necessarily of smallpox. They died of starvation because they had smallpox and everyone else who could bring them food was dead. And they laid there in their beds and died of starvation. I'm going to skip right to the end part here because there's so much I could tell of this story. The Spanish win. The Spanish win big time. They have a huge naval battle on the lake between the Spanish boats that have cannons on them and the canoes of the Aztecs. Like I said, this is... I'm tired of having to say this, or I guess I should say I'm tired of having this thought. Maybe I just need to go be a producer, but that HBO hasn't made a 12-part series. I mean, my goodness, you could get two seasons out of this. That they haven't made a huge Cortez conquer of the Aztecs series is a crime. That is a scene right out of the movies. The Aztecs launching a bunch of canoes to have a big lake battle with Cortez and his guys that have cannons. It's crazy. Crazy. Cortez and his guys end up winning. The Aztecs are no more. Game, set, match. Now, what was one of the main, main reasons the Aztecs don't exist anymore? What was one of the main reasons they were brought down? Do you remember that story about the the guy who gave away his daughter to the Aztecs? Do you remember when I told you about how Montezuma sent Cortez a little gold to make him go away? What are those two stories have in common. Anybody? Chris? Mitchell? You don't understand the nature of your opponent. And if you don't understand the nature of your opponent, you are doomed. Absolutely doomed. The Aztecs, they somehow didn't understand the nature of who they were dealing with when they took some guy's daughter. It's one thing to have your culture. You know you have a culture, right? You're Aztecs. Let's say it wasn't horrific, but let's say you're just Aztecs and you have your culture and you like it. It's it's a good culture. That's fine, but you have to be aware that, uh, buddy, that's not everyone else's culture. How are you that unaware? Yes, you're horrific. You believe in blood. You believe in human sacrifice. But you're out here doing diplomacy. Again, these were not idiots. You're doing diplomacy. You finally get an alliance with somebody powerful and you flay his daughter's skin off her body and wear it in front of him. That is weapons grade unaware. And the Spanish land on your shores. Everybody knows what the Spanish are there for. And you 
show them you have gold, thinking that will buy them away? I will look at our current state of affairs. And I'm talking about our current state of affairs. What I'm talking about is the Republican Party. Talking about you, talking about me. I'm looking at these bills they're passing, these huge spending bills, these new bills they're considering. I'm looking at, shoot, I'm even looking at Barr coming out and saying, ah, Biden and Obama, there's there's going to be no investigation there. And I see a hundred years of government growth. And let's be clear. You can argue both parties are pretty much the same now, but let's be clear. There are two different schools of thought. America was founded on a limited, small federal government. That's what it was founded on. That's what it was supposed to be. The Democrat platform is increasing the size and scope of government. That is every part of the Democrat platform points to that government needs more power, more control needs to be bigger. So you would think everything in the Republican platform and what they say is government needs to be smaller, less intrusive, less powerful, more freedom for you. And yet for a hundred years, a hundred years, government has only grown. Under every president, Republican or Democrat. Now, how does that happen? How can that possibly happen? Because Republicans do not understand the nature of leftism. Leftism is a dominating religion. It is not an opposing political party. That means Nancy Pelosi, when she proposes a $3 trillion bill with 8 million Democrat goodies in it, that she knows is going to get rejected, and Republicans are standing up there saying, this is outrageous, this is dead on arrival. And everybody's like, yeah, Republicans, tell them. I'm the one sitting back saying, that freaking Nancy Pelosi outfoxed them all again. And I'll explain what I mean in just a sec. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Banacaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect. Which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.